I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June too is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. Hello and welcome to Star Wars Counseling on the Force Center podcast feed, the show that believes absolutely every part of Star Wars is great from a certain point of view. I am your host, my name is Joseph Scrimshaw, with me as almost always is a small sip of whiskey. Now if you've been listening to Star Wars Counseling for a while, you know that I almost always start the show with a small, audible sip of whiskey, and I have to start to decide... Is that going to happen every single episode? Is that how I start this counseling show? Is it my lot in life to be a sort of irresponsible see and say? 
something to give a lot more thought to, but first, a small sip of whiskey. Ah, tastes like tradition. Anyway, if you are a long-time listener of Star Wars Counseling, you know what this is all about. If you are listening for the first time, here's what it is about. People send in grievances, things that bother them about Star Wars. can be big-picture things, can be questions about plot or logic. It can be just little pesky things that just get under your skin, grievances of all kinds, and then I offer some different ways to look at them, some different points of view, and try to bring people closer to the light of enjoying as much as they can in the wide world of Star Wars. This episode, we have two grievances. We have a pretty big one and a comically small one, a big question about why. Why? How does this make sense? In a tiny question about this dumb thing gets on my nerves, and I cannot wait to tackle both, so I'm not going to wait. Here we go. Our first grievance was sent in by Jamie A. Apparicio. Uh, I always try to say people's names correctly, and I often fail. So, Jamie, my apologies if I got your name wrong, if I made it sound like a fancy Harry Potter spell. I mean, no disrespect. Uh, Jamie's Twitter handle is at waytodawn86. Now, Jamie says, one thing I've been thinking about is, why did Han and Leia name their son after Obi-Wan if neither of the two had that close of a relationship with the Jedi? And then Jamie, in order to make it clear what Jamie's feelings are, Jamie added three question marks. Not one, not two, three. This is a three question mark question right now in Star Wars lore. So I want to start with just the reason that is reality. The reason in reality is that a significant name was needed, right? I think in Force Awakens, it is such a great reveal. First, we meet Kylo Ren. We get the hints when he is confronting Lor Santeca about what his birthright should be, that he is somebody who should be drawn toward the light, and he's also someone who should be drawn toward the darkness. And then we learn that Han Solo is his father, and we learn that Princess Leia is his mother. And then in that big climax where Han Solo shouts the true name of his actual son across that classic Star Wars chasm, and he shouts, Steve! He doesn't shout Steve, he shouts Ben, right? He shouts that name. It is such a great reveal. It has so much emotion. I think it is one of the best line deliveries by Harrison Ford as Han Solo ever. There's power in it. There's emotion in it. There's conviction in it. There's so much in that one syllable, that three-letter name, Ben. Now, obviously, that moment has weight. We want the weight that uh, the name makes sense to people who know Star Wars. Uh, In our actual human universe, we want that name to resonate, right? So Ben is a good choice from that perspective. Now, imagine that same moment in The Force Awakens and any number of other names just would not work. Now, if they had decided, hey, you know what? Let's stay uh, a little closer to the EU and let's give a shout out there. And he yelled, Jason. Now, people who've read Star Wars books or even just the Wikipedia plot summaries of the books know that it's spelled, Jason is spelled in a space way. 
because it's J-A-C-E-N instead of J-A-S-O-N or any other Earth spelling. It's Jason. I'm sure there are Earth people who spell Jason that way. But, you know, it adds some more spaceness to spell it that way. Now, imagine you're a viewer who hasn't really read any of the U, and it sounds like a real down-to-earth name. I know Ben is a down-to-earth name, but obviously it has the history going back to the very first Star Wars film. It doesn't work if Han yells, Jason, he might as well yell, hey, Chad, or Steve, or Clem. It's just not quite right. You know, it doesn't work. doesn't work to me. The other option is, well, we give uh, Kylo Ren, the son of Han and Leia, some weird Star Wars name. Now imagine, just for fun, if Han had walked out of that, onto that bridge and just shouted full of all of those powerful emotions and said, Bonzuko! Just a weird Star Wars name. Therm! That would not work, right, if he had yelled Therm? Or you go back to maybe Star Wars names that might make sense. What would Han Solo, we'll set Leia aside for the moment, what would Han Solo name his child? And then you picture Han walking out onto that bridge and yelling, Chewie Jr. Yeah, that, that raises some weird questions. Or what if Han just walked out and yelled, Millennium, and you realized, my God. God, he named his child after his true love, that damn ship. Anyway, this is endlessly fascinating and funny to me. I would love to watch just an endless video that is uh, cuts of Harrison Ford yelling different names that they tried, and I think it would be almost impossible to find any name as perfect as Ben. I know Anakin's floating out there too, but I think that's problematic for a lot of different reasons. I think Ben is perfect for the audience. Now, of course, this is where we get into Jamie's question. Yes, we can all track how it makes sense to us as the Star Wars-loving audience that the son of Han and Leia is named Ben. But why does it make sense in-universe, in the story of Star Wars? Well, this is great, because right now, it is a mystery. There are many things in Star Wars that kind of happen to be a mystery, but this is a mystery that is on a shelf, a shelf labeled Solve Later. One of the interesting tidbits about why Ben is named Ben is that Lucasfilm has said no to authors answering it. I know for sure that Claudia Gray tweeted about this. There was one other author. I believe it was Chuck Wendig, but I might have that wrong. Social media is hard to search, and I mean that on multiple levels. Anyway, uh, Claudia Gray and I believe Chuck Wendig both tweeted that they wanted in their various novels, uh, Aftermath trilogy, it would make sense, certainly in Bloodline, it would make sense for Claudia Gray to explore that they had ideas of why Han and Leia would name their child Ben. Both Claudia Gray and Chuck Wendig also have a penchant for going back and fixing weird little problems. Claudia Gray makes a, a joke in Bloodline uh, that Leia was speaking in a British accent because she was making fun of uh, Grand Moff Tarkin on the Death Star. Chuck Wendig wanted to explain Jar Jar's fate. They both like fixing little things. They're both grievance fixers in Star Wars. They do their own Star Wars counseling right in their novels. But for some reason, Lucasfilm said no. No Star Wars counseling in your books about why Ben is named Ben. So that makes me think one of two things, that either there is an idea in place that is waiting to be shared, or, which I think is more likely, my personal opinion, that 
they don't want to close off any potential storytelling that might happen in the movies. Is it possible that in Episode 9, we will learn exactly why Han and Leia chose to name their son Ben? I think that's a possibility, and I think it's very, very interesting and a good sign, a good sign that whoever that exact decision-maker is, probably the story group, that they want to leave elbow room for the filmmakers to finish telling the story uh, before they get things muddied up in canon with books, before we end up with three different explanations of why Ben is named Ben. Maybe the history of that character's name will even be important in the resolution of Kylo Ren's character. Maybe it will be the title of Episode 9, Episode 9, Ben. What's the deal with that name? I think that's great. It has a ring to it. Anyway, we know why, for the audience's benefit, it is a name that we recognize that resonates. We know, or at least have some suspicions, of why we haven't had that answer yet, all of which leads us to, this is a great Star Wars grievance to me, because where it leaves us now is in Speculation City. It leaves us open for us as fans to hashtag speculate responsibly and think through all of the different reasons why Han and Leia might have made that choice. So first off, here's a theory that I've seen floated on the old social media and one that I think is very interesting and very compelling. So Han and Leia did not have a close relationship with Obi-Wan Kenobi. The majority of screen time that Obi-Wan and Han spend together, they are basically insulting one another. Uh, not exactly, hey, that this jerk that I... It's basically like if you were a Lyft driver, you gave someone a ride, they kind of criticized you the entire time, and then they died, and you're like, well, I guess I should name that guy I gave the Lyft ride to. I, I should name my child after that guy. So it's understandable, very understandable, but this theory that I like that uh, addresses some of that is that Obi-Wan Kenobi is the one who brought them all together, Han, Luke, and Leia. Now, I know Luke wasn't involved in the whole baby-making. Let's really hope he was not involved in the baby-making. Uh, but Obi-Wan Kenobi is the one who brought Han and Leia together. If it was not for Leia's mission, which was specifically to find Obi-Wan Kenobi, and if it was not for Obi-Wan's bravery and sacrifice, Han and Leia never would have met, and they never would have made it off that Death Star. Han Solo's life path as a smuggler never would have course-corrected into him becoming a hero of the rebellion and a father and a husband. So that addresses some of the Han side of it. Now, the Leia side of it, we as an audience didn't get to see Leia spend any quality time with Obi-Wan Kenobi, but Leia might have a much larger attachment to Obi-Wan, and I think she was probably, you know, better in the whole naming children department than Han. I think Han would have said, yeah, I don't know, Millennium, that's fine. So, Leia's relationship with Obi-Wan is that Obi-Wan was close to both Leia's adopted father and biological father. So she could have grown up, probably did grow up, hearing from Bale about this great Jedi Knight, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, of course, eventually she would learn from Luke that as Luke knew Obi-Wan through his own growing up, that his name was Ben. And of course, as Leia learns the truth of her lineage, she would find out that Obi-Wan had a relationship with her actual father, Anakin. So uh, why didn't she just pick Bale? 
whenever you start talking about this, of like, oh, well, Leia might really have had this fondness for uh, Kenobi, what he what he meant, what he symbolized, because her father, Bale, told her all about it, and it le- immediately leads us down the path of like, well, then why didn't you just name him Bale? Maybe, maybe she was going to. Maybe she was going to name her child Bale, which would have made a lot of sense. But maybe she wanted to include Han. She wanted to find a way that was not just celebrating her own lineage, but rather something that connected her and Han, which is what leads me back to Ben. Now, I made some jokes about Luke being involved in the whole baby process, but I think it is possible, no joke, that he was involved in the naming process. If Leia and Han, and this is a fun scene to imagine where they're having a hard time picking the name, maybe they do go to Uncle Luke. The three of them all really have their fates intertwined. They all came together at the same time, at the same place, and maybe Luke really wanted to honor Obi-Wan Kenobi. He wanted to honor Ben, and maybe Uncle Luke suggested, like, hey, I'm just, not a not a force suggestion. I don't think he used a force trick on Han, and I don't think one would work on Leia. Uh, I don't think he said, waved his hand and said, you will name him Ben. I think maybe, maybe they're just sitting around, they're discussing things, and Luke's like, well, you know what, I'm going to go look for some Force artifacts. By the way, if you're looking for a baby name, might I suggest Ben? It's great, great name. Sounds great when it's said softly and gently and lovingly, and if you ever need to shout the child's name in in just uh, very much emotional concern and worry, Ben sounds great that way too. So we're, we're set either way. I don't think Luke would have described it that way, but I think he could have suggested Ben. Now, a lot of the uh, arguments I've made or perspectives, points of view uh, for why they might have named this child Ben also go for Obi-Wan. So let's talk about that. Why would they choose to name this child Ben and not Obi-Wan? Here's the part that actually becomes really uh, resonant and interesting to me. If Luke told them about his knowledge of this person, this uh, this Jedi Knight, this former Jedi Knight, Obi-Wan Kenobi, who went by the name of Old Ben as he hid out on Tatooine and watched over him, that would maybe start to make some more sense of, well, we could name him Obi-Wan, we could blatantly name our child after a a famous Jedi of the Clone Wars who returned in this heroic moment of the Rebellion's need. We could do that, but what does the name Ben mean? Obi-Wan took on the mantle of Ben to do a very specific thing. Ben is a symbol of being a Jedi and yet also following your own path. The actions of Obi-Wan Kenobi were one of a a dutiful Jedi Knight. He went around the galaxy doing what the Council asked of him. But Ben, Ben had to chart his own course. Ben Kenobi was this kind, caregiving presence. This uh, selfless figure who made the choice to hide out and watch over Luke, who said, I'm not going to go and fight anymore. I'm going to make the choice that where I am needed most is watching over young Luke Skywalker. So the name of Ben, the mantle of Ben, is that of a noble, selfless caregiver. Now I can see Luke and Leia maybe having this discussion, and Han going, "Uh, okay, Ben sounds good. So 
to me, that is the most compelling and interesting of, of if Luke and Leia ever had the discussion of who was Ben, what did that name mean that is different than Obi-Wan? Now, because we're still in Speculation City, we can also turn it around and look at it the exact opposite way. Maybe Leia and Han were just flipping through a hollow book of baby names, looking for something kind of older and classier sounding, maybe something that's a little bit more unique to the galaxy, like there aren't a ton of them. You know, maybe maybe Bale is just like, oh, man, there are Bales everywhere. You got a Bale Organi, you got Bale Antilles, you got... Bale Skyhooper, all sorts of different Bales just walking around the galaxy, and we want a son with a unique name, and they just find in this hollow book of infant names, Ben. And then Luke pops in and goes like, oh, hey, you know, I never bothered to tell you guys, that's actually the name that Obi-Wan used when he was hiding out in the desert watching over me, so that'd be cool. That's a very practical answer that is not interesting to tell narratively, so I suspect that won't be the answer, but it's also a fun picture where <laughs> Leia and Han just come up with Ben and looks like, hey, yeah, great, thumbs up. Maybe it's even an awkward conversation much later when Ben's like four years old and looks like, it was really nice of you guys to name your child after Obi-Wan, and they're both like, what? Anyway, while we're talking about this kid's name, I feel it is also my responsibility. Me and my whiskey have this responsibility to acknowledge Anakin. Now, I know in the EU that one of the Solo children was named Anakin, but I think the EU told a very different story of Leia and Han and Luke's processing of exactly who Anakin Skywalker was versus who was Darth Vader. And so far in the new canon, we know a little bit. We know that Leia certainly hid her lineage from the galaxy. That is the primary story of Bloodline. It seems like perhaps Leia has taken a longer time to process this truth that her father was this noble Jedi Knight, Anakin Skywalker, who fell to the dark side, and she's been told by Luke, but he came back, he came back to the light at the end of his life, and he helped us all, he helped destroy the Emperor, all these great things. But I get the sense that the larger story in new canon is that it has taken uh, Leia, and, and for sure Han, maybe more time to process this relationship and this schism between who was Anakin Skywalker versus who was Darth Vader than it maybe did in the EU. And I know that the solo child named Anakin in the EU is, you know, one of the later born, so they had even more time to process. So I feel like naming him Anakin in the new canon would have been, I don't know, it's just a, the, the hitting the nail on the head just a little too directly. It's a little too on the nose. It's a hammer on the nose. I'm mixing metaphors and creating a horrible, violent imagery. Anyway, it does actually seem too violent, like it would have raised too many questions. If, in The Force Awakens, Han Solo had walked out into the bridge and yelled, Anakin, I feel like most people would have been like, you named him Anakin, and you're surprised he turned to the dark side? It just opens up a can of space worms, a can of exogorths. So those are my feelings on Anakin. Moving down some even stranger alleys in Speculation City, here's one that's super out there. Maybe... Leia wanted to name her child Ben because she felt it in the Force. There is some great stuff in Star Wars novels about Leia being able to sense Ben in the Force early, 
early in his life, before uh, he was even actually born, she was sensing the potential for light, the potential for dark, the power of him. Maybe she was just trying to close her eyes and think peacefully, calmly, and the name Ben wafted into her mind. Maybe she just thought, that is the name this kid needs. Now, why would the kid need the name Ben? Well, Ben... Obi-Wan Kenobi is a person who fought against the dark side his entire life. Maybe it was something in the Force saying, this child is going to fight the dark side. That is going to be the fate of this child to face his potential for darkness. Why not give him a name that is basically a light side name, a name that is just imbued with the power of selflessness, like that of Ben Kenobi. Now, even more out there, and certainly not going to happen, uh, maybe maybe Obi-Wan showed up as a Force ghost and suggested it. I'm just covering my bases here, listeners. Maybe Obi-Wan Kenobi decided to reassemble himself within the living Force and show himself to Leia to reveal just how powerful he had become that he could show up as a shimmering force ghost and say, you know, when I had to pick a name to hide under, because in Star Wars you only need a different first name to hide, I picked Ben, and I think it's a great name. And Leia was just like, thumbs up, thanks force ghost. I don't think that happened either, but man, is that fun to picture as well. So those are a bunch of different ideas of why Han and Leia named their son Ben. To sum up, it could be that it was a discussion with Luke. It could be that they realized that this person, Obi-Wan Kenobi, was someone who was connected to the destiny of the Skywalkers, who connected Han, Luke, and Leia to one another, that the Rebellion would not have survived without him. It could be that Luke had weighed in and said, this is a name that means something To me, this is a name that means someone who is caring and giving and who watches over other people. It could be that the Force itself offered this name as a symbol of the light. It could be that Han and Leia just picked it and Ben sounded good and it's not named after Obi-Wan Kenobi at all. It's just, hey, Ben's a great name, which I think it is. Or my last bit of Star Wars counseling, Star Wars speculation about why the son of Han and Leia is named Ben is this. Maybe Ben is someone important to Han that we've never met. I don't believe we'll meet a Ben in Solo A Star Wars Story. It seems like most of the parental figures that Han runs into are probably big jerks. But it would be pretty amazing if we end up learning that that was actually Han's real father's name was Ben. More likely than that, in my opinion, is this shocking revelation in Star Wars canon that for all these years, we as fans have not known the truth. The truth that Han Solo's trusty Blastech DL-44 blaster has a name, and it's Ben. And Han lobbied to name his own son after his blaster. That also won't happen. That's insanity. But hopefully it is fun insanity. Again, 
This is so much fun to just get to speculate. I think there are a lot of different ways that this revelation could be spun, and I think it's a lot like Ray's parents. I think the 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 discovery of who Ray's parents are, and for right now, they're no one. Maybe they will become someone again. I know there's a lot of discussion about that in episode nine, but I think for a revelation this big, it has to be something that has power within the narrative. It could be just a little bit of throwaway logic in maybe someday in a book somewhere. That's what it will be. But for me, for my own personal Star Wars counseling of myself, it would be really cool if Ben's name means something. And it means something that has narrative power. So when it's revealed in a film, it is not just, let me give you some exposition, but it has emotional narrative weight. That is my hope. I hope Ben's name has some weight. And until then, I'm just going to have fun imagining Han shouting different weird names. Anyway, thanks for the great grievance, Jamie. On to our second grievance. This one A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 
comes from Rocky Persinger. At Rocky Persinger, it says, On a planet made entirely of sand, why do they only seem to drink out of plastic cups in the cantina on Tatooine? Why are there no drinking glasses? Small grievance, but it bugs me. I love small grievances, Rocky. I love weird grievances. This is great. So I'm going to start with the super boring answer that I googled. Uh, This is what it said about making glass here on our planet Earth. This is what the Google said. To make clear glass, a special sand called silica sand is used. This fine white sand is needed because it is very pure and does not contain other unwanted chemicals. So the super boring answer could be, maybe the sand on Tatooine, whatever exact kind of sand it is, cannot be made into glass. So there we go. That's this episode of Star... No, 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 no. That is a boring answer. An answer I can just Google using real Earth science? Bullshit. No, let's have some fun. First, I just want to have some fun by imagining what if, what if it is true that all of Tatooine is made of silica sand and they could be making glass out of it. And Anakin, Anakin particularly hates that exact kind of sand. If Anakin's monologue in Attack of the Clones was, I don't like sand, silica sand in particular, it's coarse and rough and it gets everywhere. It's also good for making glass. But glass also needs limestone, soda ash, and other chemicals to color the glass. Not like here. Here, everything is soft and smooth. Not good for production of glass, though. Then he leans in for a kiss. I ask you, would that not be an amazing scene in Attack of the Clones if Anakin not only made a clumsy transition in order to express his feelings of longing for Padme, connecting her to being not glass, a standard romantic move that all people should do? What if he did not do that, but he also complained about the particular kind of sand needed to successfully make glass? Wouldn't that be amazing? Anyway, here are some fun theories on why they do not use a planet full of sand to make glass. Here is my main one. Now, we see a lot of plastic cups in the cantina, as you noted, Rocky. Here's my theory, that way back in the day, They used to use that sand to make glass, and the cantina was just sparkling. Beautiful pint glasses, highballs, lowballs, everywhere. And then, because the clientele is all sloppy drunks, they just drop the glasses all the time. They're too drunk. Look, Pondababa's going to come in there. He's going to be talking smack with Dr. Cornelius Evazin. They're going to get all drunk. They're going to clink glasses together so hard they're going to shatter. Other beings are cutting their feet open because for some reason some species are just like shoes. No. Anyway, you, you got to make things friendly for Wookiee feet when you're walking through the cantina. You got a bunch of drunks, a bunch of uh, weirdos just shattering glass left and right. You can't have that. Poor Wu Hair spending all of his time sweeping up broken glass. I'm sure Akmena has a song about it, about how she hates glass. Very similar to Anakin's disliking sand, but Akmena has a whole song about no glass in my bar. So that's my theory when it comes to the cantina. And then you got other places on Tatooine, like what about Jabba? 
You would think that Jabba would want to use glass, and I did investigate this. I looked closely at the scene on Jabba's sail barge where you see lots of glassware. You see there, uh, R2 has been turned into a mini bar, a rolling mini bar, which is awesome, and I want one. And those glasses are ornate. They have looks like some kind of like tin design, and then the top of them is shiny. Now, I watched this scene so closely, there's that shot also where Jabba seems to have like a big old stein glass, and that's also got that sort of intricate design wear on it, And but then it has that big top that appears as though it might be glass. In fact, I looked at that scene so closely, I noticed for the first time in my life, there's an editing thing where Jabba has his big old stein glass in his left hand, and then Leia gets pushed towards him, and suddenly it's in his right hand. It's just like that disappearing knife in The Last Jedi that the Praetorian Guard drops. Wherever that Praetorian Guard's knife went, that is the same magic that allowed Jabba to have a stein in two different hands. Teleporting steins! Anyway, back to glass. It does look like Jabba might have glassware on Tatooine, which does make sense because Jabba wants to be fancy. He wants to impress people on his sail barge. But this theory that there is no glass on a planet made of sand is so beautiful that in my personal headcanon, I'm going to imagine that, yes, those glasses look like they are probably glass, but they are not they are clear plastic. In my days of doing a lot of sketch comedy, uh, I would often do big sketches that involved uh, physical comedy, falling down, and big glasses of alcohol, actual alcohol on stage. Those were good, good times. But it eventually occurred to myself and the other people performing comedy with me, maybe we shouldn't do lots of pratfalls where we throw our bodies to the ground while holding actual physical glass because death. So we would go and we would shop at Target and we would buy these big glasses that were plastic. They looked like glass from the stage, or rather from the audience on stage, uh, but they were big, clear basically safety plastic. And I think that's what Jabba has. I think Jabba wants to look classy. He wants to look dignified, but he also wants to save some money and he doesn't want all of those bounty hunters to just be constantly breaking the glass and trying to cut one another's throat. That's just another headache for Jabba. That is also the name of a Star Wars movie that I hope gets made another headache for Jabba. It should be a silent comedy. Anyway, that's my theory on the glass in Jabba's palace, or rather the lack of glass to keep this cool, cool grievance making perfect sense that there's no glass on Tatooine. Now let's go to one of the other places that we actually do see some drinkware on Tatooine, and that is the Lars Homestead. Why don't moisture farmers drink out of glass? That is a question that has been haunting the Star Wars fan community for decades. All I can think is maybe the moisture farmers are sweaty. Maybe they drop glasses way too often. It is ironic that moisture farmers' hands would be so moist that they couldn't even hold glass drinks. But it could happen. It could happen. 
So that's my main bit of counseling on this, is that glass is just too dangerous. Almost everyone on Tatooine is drunk, violent, or sweaty. And those are dangerous combinations when you have a planet full of people with hard lives who like to drink, and they're going to end up dropping those glasses. They're going to shatter into shards. And then soon, Tatooine is not a planet of sand. It is a planet of many knives, many knives everywhere. And then a sandstorm comes up, and it's basically just shards of glass flying through the air. And you got old Jira saying there, uh-oh, storm's coming, Annie, a knife storm. Better get inside. Here comes the glass. Scary. That would have been extra scary in The Phantom Menace. Now, all that said, I do have one other theory, one other point of view on why there is no glass on a planet made of sand. What if, with all of the advanced technology of Star Wars, they simply have not discovered, it being a long time ago, that sand can be turned into glass? What if there is an alternate reality, a different version of the entire Star Wars saga? What if Owen and Beru are the ones who figure out that, yes, you can use sand and you can make the valuable substance known as glass? And they realize we are basically living on a massive factory floor and they figure out how to turn all the sand of Tatooine into glass, and they become the richest people in the galaxy, and they use their incredible wealth to secretly fund the rebellion and overthrow Sheev Palpatine and his evil empire. And that, my friends, is why Han and Leia chose to name their son... Owen Beru. And that is why, in The Force Awakens, Han Solo strides out onto that bridge and yells, Owen Beru! Anyway, I hope that helped a little bit, Rocky. That is my Star Wars counseling for two really fun grievances, some fun opportunities to just look at things in weird and fun and surprising ways, which is the gift of Star Wars. If you have grievances, Please send them in. It can be Star Wars stuff in general, stuff from movies, big picture stuff, stuff from the community. Just let me know on Twitter or Facebook. Please do use the hashtag Star Wars Counseling. That's counseling spelled with an S. So then when I'm getting ready to do an episode, I can do a quick search and I can find all of the grievances. And speaking of finding things, you can find me on all the social media is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my other podcast, Obsessed. That is all on josephscrimshaw.com as well as information about upcoming live shows and comedy albums. I got a Star Wars comedy album called Rebel Scum that you can check out. Go to josephscrimshaw.com. You can also like Force Central on Facebook and follow us on Twitter is at Force Center Pod, and you can buy our merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can support our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Force Center. Thanks to all of your kind support. We will very soon have a new theme song, both beginning and ending theme music for this very show by the great Tony Thaxon, so thank you for that. Keep supporting us on patreon.com slash center. And until next time, as Han Solo once said in a moment of brutal honesty, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. That's it for Star Wars Counseling.
ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.